Welcome back to the Don't Knock It podcast, where we address misconceptions about Jesus' character, his church, and his word. By doing this, we hope to encourage you to delight in Christ before dismissing him, to know him before knocking him. And to kick off season four, a season I titled The Hard Sayings of Jesus, I am joined by my dear brother in Christ and co-laborer Joshua Camper to help unpack the first episode, the first episode addressing Matthew 7, when Jesus himself says, depart from me, for I never knew you. Joshua Camper, how are you doing, man? Oh, man, I'm blessed. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Such honor and a pleasure. And uh, I'm looking forward to digging into these hard sayings of Jesus. Uh, Little Jesus, meek and mild, not with these hard sayings. Amen. Amen, indeed. Um, So just for starters, just to kind of give you a big, uh, give you guys a quick background. Um, I met Joshua over the phone when I was in Colorado uh, my freshman year of college. Um, I had been really saved, saved real good, as a good friend of ours likes to say. And um, I called our mutual friend. His name is Matthew. I'll probably have him on the on the podcast as well with the, for a future episode, one of these hard sayings. Um, and he, I, I called him. I was bawling. I was in a study room um, by myself, just reading my Bible. And uh, I called our friend Matt, and I was just dealing with a lot, trying to figure out, um, where to go with my faith from there. And, and right then and there, he, he let me know if it was okay, or he asked me if it was okay to, uh, be joined by, uh, his friends, Joshua and Craig. And, uh, they prayed for me, they ministered to me. And that meant a lot to an 18 year old in college on his own, apart from a church, um, apart from, uh, any, uh, really like formal guidance on how to navigate through uh, his faith crisis uh, coming to faith because it's it's a pretty traumatic experience and uh, uh, that's usually what happens when you come face to face with the God of the universe and that's what happened to me and um, I was just grateful I was just grateful to have been um, placed uh, sovereignly in in the line of of just wonderful friends uh, who have ministered to me greatly since then and so uh, I just wanted to ask you, like, um, your perspective, like, what, what, what was going through your mind when you, when you're on the phone with an 18 year old kid who is crying his eyes out, um, trying to figure out this, this, uh, this walk with Jesus? Uh, yeah, uh, Chris. Yeah, you know, back then, like, at that time where I was with my walk, and and you know, we were doing Bible studies, and and God had us really. Um, ministering to a particular group of people, and to be honest, when we first got on the call, my my the just my spirit, the Holy Spirit was just like you were tender hearted, like, and it reminds me of King David, a man after God's own heart, um, to be that young and that impacted by the things that you were going through, and normally, you know, when I was that age, I didn't care. Um, and I rarely knew of anybody who was that sensitive to um, being broken over sin. And so, like, my first impression was, like, this guy's light years ahead of me and my contemporaries when we were that age. And so it was really a joy to see it. Um, it was a joy to hear it. My heart grieved with you, and I was hopeful for you because I had seen so many that had been um, hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And, and you had a broken and contrite heart. 
And as the scripture says that uh, godly sorrow leads to repentance, not to be repented of. And it was godly sorrow. And so I'm glad that that was the, like the beginning of our relationship and it's been fruitful ever since. Yeah. I appreciate that. And, um, it's, it's encouraging to, to reflect back on that. Um, just on like your perspective, the reason I say that is not to like pat myself on the back because I'm, I'm the only one that experienced that, uh, obviously firsthand. And I don't say that to like pat myself on the back, but more so as a reminder of, just how gracious God was. And yes, it was a grace that he showed to me with making me so, so brokenhearted and I needed it. I needed it because it it brought me face to face, not just with the sin that I experienced, but also the, the, the brokenness that I left in my wake. Mm. Like this, this is like, God brought me face to face with himself, but also with myself. Like, Hey, this is, this is the consequence of, of, of years worth of, being comfortable in my sin and now it has come to fruition. And not only that, it has affected those around you in a very traumatic way. And so I just, I, I, that's why I asked your perspective is because more so uh, as an encouragement um, and a reminder to me and to everyone listening like that, that God is gracious and whatever level of conviction you may have uh, or that you may be experiencing right now, it's a grace. And that grace is used to empower us to uh, further into obedience. And so, awesome, man. So, so what do you do? Like, uh, if if when someone hears Joshua Camper, what do they think? Because the reason I ask it that way is because what you answer, what they, what comes to mind, is gonna be what consumes your life, right? So, so who is Joshua Camper? Yeah, bond servant of the Lord. Um, and I truly pray and hope that when when people think of me, they think of someone sold out for the cross, um, that that Jesus is the reason why I live and move and have my being. Um, now, will they? I, I can't say I'm 100 percent sure, um, but I, my prayer is that they think of me and they say, you know, what? That's, that's a servant of the Lord. Right. He he, he has a love for Christ and, and he's and he's showing that in the way he lives. Um, in the way he uh, parents his children and in his marriage and the ministry that that God has has put me in, um, but but yeah, I have I have the honor and blessing uh, to be married to my wife Jennifer, uh, the most beautiful woman on the planet. She's my one in eight point five billion, whatever the population is now, you know. And uh, I've been my wife going on thirteen years, um, been with her six, oh, sixteen years, and we're having our sixth kid. So. When you talk about grace, um, my wife and my children are one of the greatest examples of God's grace towards me outside the cross of Calvary. Amen. And so those are the, the primary ministries that God has ordained and blessed me with. Um, but outside of that, I have the honor of, of help pastoring Calvary Chapel, Canale Valley, um, a youth pastor there, an assistant pastor, and uh, I'm the campus pastor at Hillcrest Christian School in Thousand Oaks. And it's just an honor. I'm blessed. Um, every day, God, God gives opportunities to um, pour, pour out in people and, and just do life with people. And I'm grateful for it because I don't deserve it. And I never knew, never thought, never imagined that I would be in the position that I'm in um, because of the life I lived. And, and, and so, because we're talking about God's grace, um, you know, Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And, and I, I echo that sentiment. Mm. So 
with everything that you you just said, you're a very busy man. Yes. Been married for 13 years. I have uh, five kids, a sixth on the way. Yeah. You're a campus pastor. Yeah. You're a uh, you're an elder. Yeah. And you serve the youth yeah. at your church. Um, the question just came to mind, like, how how do you remain so rooted and grounded in Scripture? Because um, for anyone that does know you and is around you long enough, they'll they'll recognize how quickly and so easily you're able to quote Scripture and be able to apply um, uh, very necessary wisdom uh, in specific situations. So so what helps you with that? Like essentially, what I'm asking, like how is your how how do you cultivate the discipline that you have? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I just say humble beginnings. Like when I was um, first filled with the Holy Spirit in my late 20s, I didn't have five kids. Um, and I had a lot more time. And when God was doing his work in me, it was just me and him. And what I mean by that is that my marriage was in, it was the beginning of my marriage. And it was in a, a place where my wife and I weren't in the best position and my sole focus was on being upright with God. And I can remember taking my lunch break and devouring scripture, um, throughout the day devouring scripture, um, going to uh, my hiding place. And so, back then it was South Oxnard at the beach. And I remember just spending hours devouring scripture and being, I remember just uh, being so broken when scripture showed me who I truly was and I saw Jesus for who he truly was and being so broken and just crying over my Bible and just weeping back and forth that I couldn't believe I did what I did and he still loves me. And that right there helped me remain in the book. And so early on I cultivated a discipline of just devouring scripture. And to this day, some of my favorite Bible verses are Psalm 119.11, right? I've hidden thy word inside my heart that I may not sin against you. Psalm 119, verse 9, that how shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. And uh, your word, O Lord, is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. So like those, those all stick with me. And I do believe God gave me a spiritual gift um, to be able to have a photographic memory of scripture when I read it. And so the Holy Spirit will literally place um, his word at the right moment with the right application. Like I, I can't, I can't tell you how that happens. It has to be the Holy ghost. And, and, and I truly love the word of God because it truly is um, my refuge. It's my rock. It's my hope. And I know it's Jesus. So that that's the best way I can explain it. <laughs> Amen. So, uh, kind of speaking about scripture, let's get to our hard saying for uh, today. Amen. Um, so let's go to Matthew 7. I think uh, the NASB has it split up. Um, you know how they have subtitles? Yeah. Um, uh, this section, it starts at verse 15 mm -hmm. uh, and goes to 23, and then uh, verse 24 begins with the, the two foundations. Yeah. Right? Houses build on sand, houses build on the rock. Right. So, um, let me just uh, read that passage, sure. and then we'll we'll unpack it. Yeah. 
So Matthew 7 verse 15 says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not, are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. And then here's the passage for today. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name profess many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Mm. So those... Those words are in red in the majority of English Bibles, and basically meaning that, that they're from the mouth of Jesus himself. Oh. Um, so to begin, we'll start from just a plain reading of the scripture. What did Jesus mean by this? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a tough saying. Um, and I think, you know, when we just read it, um, it, he's making it a very clear that just because someone says they know me, um, just because someone says or does something in his name does not guarantee guarantee them them a place in heaven. It does not guarantee that their names will be written in the last book of life. And I really think he's um, condemning a religious system. I think he's condemning religiosity and and church sanity. You know, those those are words I use to explain um, uh, a false relationship and. What's interesting about it to me, just in the plain reading, is that when he says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not done this in your name? And it just reminds me of religiosity where do this and do that. And many times we can relate to Jesus or people try to relate to Jesus through works. When you think about virtually every religious system, Right, whether it's Islam, whether it's um, uh, Jehovah's Witness, whether it's Hinduism, they all explain a system in which things we must do to reach God. And so, look at the plain reading. It just reading it. He's saying, just because you say you know me and you do things in my name, doesn't mean I know you. It's pretty scary. It is. So because, so kind of gleaning from that, what can we as believers, what can we learn from Jesus' response? What, what, can, what can propel us forward to pursue righteousness in knowing Christ? Because that, that's, kind of, that's kind of what is at stake here. Right. We don't know him right. based off of the things that we've done in his name. Right. So as believers, what can we glean from that? What can we learn from Jesus' own response? Right. I think, you know, one thing we have to understand is what has Jesus said about how to be right with God, right? What has Jesus said the way to God, right? And so as believers, when we recognize that it's by grace through faith in Christ alone, these words aren't scary, right? They're comforting because as a believer, his promises go both ways, promises for judgment and promises for redemption. Every threat he means and every promise he means. 
And so we know here that for the believer, this doesn't scare me because I'm his sheep and he's my shepherd. And so I, I like to go back to John 10 where Jesus makes it very clear. He says that I'm the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He says, I know them and they hear my voice and they follow me and I give them everlasting life. That right there, my brother, mm. that right there. The question is is now not, um, what did Jesus mean by that? Like, am I going to, on that day, is he going to tell me to depart or enter in? It's no. Today, who's your shepherd? Wow. Yeah, I mean, that, that was kind of going into my next question is, do you find any comfort, security, or assurance in this response right here? Mm-hmm. And um, obviously, like, on the surface level, you kind of alluded to it already. Um, uh, we shouldn't be afraid of it. Right. So um, from this response right here, uh, what do you have any, like, does it comfort you in any way? Does it assure you any in any way? I have I have some thoughts on on this, but I kind of want to hear your okay. thoughts first. Yeah, just um, it does two things for me. It does two things for me. One, it holds me accountable, right? And so I remember the passage. I think it's in Second um, Corinthians, and Paul says, "Examine yourself, whether you be in the faith." Right. And so when I see a warning passage like this, I always want to examine my heart before God, my first love, right? How did I get here? Where did God bring me from? When the psalmist says, you brought me up out of a mire or clay and set my feet on solid ground. Two, um, it reassures me that he's not talking to me, right? Yeah. <laughs> it reassures me that he's not talking to me. So I definitely find uh, one, exhortation in this, examine my heart before God. And two, consolation in this is that he shall never leave me for, nor forsake me. Yeah, I think I, I read this passage over and over again, and I think what, what really comforted me is the idea that we have even the possibility of knowing him. Mm. This is the God of the universe. Right. Like this is this is God in human flesh. Mm. And he and on the flip side of, of this this saying, he's saying that there's actually a possibility to know me. Mm. It's not by it's not by doing these things right. necessarily. Um, but it's more so like I'm going to deny you because you missed out on knowing me. Mm. And so I think what comforts me is just meditating on the fact that he's knowable. Yeah. He 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 sympathizes with me mm. and he's able, like he he hasn't been tempted or I haven't been tempted with something that he wasn't tempted right. with. So it gives me uh just reassurance that that he is actually knowable. Mm. Um and so uh I think this this actually puts a godly fear in believers because of the understanding of all that Jesus is. Right. It only frightens me if I know who Jesus is. Yeah. Amen. Right. Like yep. it, it, it's only going to be scary if not because I have this idea of missing out on heaven right. or going to hell. It's more so what the, the godly fear that it should put in believers is the fact that I'm missing out on Jesus. Mm. I'm being denied by the person who essentially died for me. Right. To my face. Mm. After I listed out, maybe you didn't uh, perform many miracles. Maybe you didn't prophesy. Maybe you didn't cast out demons. Right. But I loved my wife mm. or I did these things. Yeah. You mean to tell me that those things don't get me into heaven? Right. Those things are not able to, um, I guess, allow Jesus to say, hey, you know, uh, 
well done, my good and faithful servant. Yeah. So I think I think what the godly fear is that like it, it really hits um it reminds us of who it reminds us of who Jesus is and yeah. who we assume for him to mm. be. And yeah. then um before I just want to yeah. what it's kind of mine. Um I think of too when we look back in scripture, you know, like prophesying in prophesying is good, right? We know the spiritual gifts, first Corinthians. Um, and we know preaching is good, right? Teaching and doing good works. Those are all good things. But I think it's some guy, some notable guys in scripture, Balaam mm-hmm. prophesied, right? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he didn't, he was considered a false prophet, but he did it in the name of God, right? He said, I can only speak what the Lord tells me to speak, right? So just prophecy won't get it done, right? If it was just casting out demons and preaching, Judas, right? Oh my. So we look at, at notable people in scripture, right? Who did things in the name of Jesus or in the name of, of Yahweh and they didn't know him, you know? And so I think it's also a warning against relating to the true and living God through works. You cannot relate to him through works. It has to be by grace. Amen. And, and just, uh, you mentioned like previous, Previous um, instances in 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 scripture, yeah. you know, obviously um, in the Old Testament, but uh, I'm I love spending time in the Old Testament simply because of the nature of my um, kind of like what I talked about in the beginning, where it's a reminder. Yeah. I like to look back on mm. so naturally uh, because of how my testimony is. I like to spend time on not just what happened before me, like with the in the in the time of the New Testament, but also what happened to Israel. In yeah. the Old Testament, mm. and whenever we see an incredible act of mercy in the New Testament, I'm reminded of everything that made it possible. Mm. Right? You um, in uh, in verse 21, uh, the the thing that that is not going to allow you to enter into the kingdom of heaven is not doing the Father's will. Mm. Meaning, like doing the will of the Father, like the God of the Old Testament, the one that had the wisdom to send the Son. Yeah who had the p- power to create everything out of nothing, mm. who had the knowledge to predestine us before the foundation of the world to be conformed to the image of his son. Yeah. The, the same one who told Moses, hey, you're standing on holy ground. Yeah. The one who made Isaiah say, like, I am a man of unclean lips mm. simply by standing in his presence. Right. That God can be known, loved, and obeyed. Mm. Like, that, that, honestly, like, that's where my assurance comes from yeah. from a passage like this mm. um and it's only like it yes it's a hard saying but it's a hard saying only if we miss who god is right only if we miss who who jesus and everything that he presented himself to be right that's where it becomes scary mm. uh and uh and it's a, it's just a, a heart check yeah like hey are you yep. doing this for for simply to delight in christ alone right or are you doing it to gain favor through your good works right because I mean, uh, you know this. Like we will receive rewards yeah, in heaven absolutely. for 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 what we did do. Mm-hmm. But it's it's founded on the firm foundation, and it's it just so happens that he does go into the two different foundations sure um, in the next passage. And so uh, I guess the last question, um, the last question we'll address is uh, Romans ten nine, yeah. where it says that if you uh, so obviously um, in this passage. Well, let's let's just read Romans ten nine. Sure. Ten yeah. Romans ten nine says, 
that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Mm. But here, here in Matthew 7, mm. these people are proclaiming Jesus to be Lord. Right. Right. And are being outright denied by him. Mm-hmm. That seems like a contradiction. So, so can you, can you help us reconcile these two passages? Yeah. Um, I like this. And, and the reason why I like this is, is I love how the word of God, um, what Jesus says about the word of God. And so Jesus says, I think it's John 10. He says the scriptures can't be broken, meaning they can't contradict. And so saints, whenever we, or whoever's listening to this, whenever we come across a fork in the road where there's two passages that um, look like a contradiction, there's two options. Either let you be true and God's a liar or let God be true and man's a liar, right? And so when we look at the passage, I want to look at what does it mean to confess Christ as Lord, okay? So this is written to to the church in Rome where Caesar is Lord, okay? And to say confess, it means to agree. And so for an individual under the Roman Empire, the Greco Roman world, to agree that there's another Lord other than Caesar would be to commit religious, political, and social suicide, period. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so when Paul says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, if you agree that Jesus is Lord, not Caesar, and you believe in your heart that God raised this Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. And then he goes in and says, for with the mouth, confession is made, or with the heart, one believes and is righteous and what the mouth confession is made in salvation. Why? Because the mouth, conf- the I want, I want to say the heart. Uh, let me read it. Right yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Uh, verse 10, right. uh, Romans 10, 10, yeah. uh, the one after this verse is, For with the heart a person believes, mm. resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Yes. So... What we learned through scripture and Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount is that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so um, out of the mouth is a revelation of the heart. All right. And so what we see here is that in Romans 10, 9, the individual who does that is renouncing any other Lord. Meaning themselves, Caesar, uh, their job, money sex, porn, whatever it may be, they are renouncing every other Lord and they're putting Christ in his rightful place, all right? And so now the question is, how different is that person's life from the person in Matthew 7 who says, I just did these works? Well, for starters, um, the, the, the person in Matthew 7 is almost... Uh, trying to defend himself, mm. which is uh, not a good deal. No, not at all. Not before the King of Kings. Negative. Nah. Yeah. So there's there's not a contradiction. One is a clear, very clear and definitive statement about heart posture, right? The individuals relating to Christ as Lord, not as 
um, employer, right? Mm -hmm. The ones in Matthew 7, Jesus is not Lord, he's their employer. I've done these works, give me my wage, right? And so I think about uh, the prodigal son. And the prodigal son starts off with a employee-employer relationship with the father. Give me my goods, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Give me my goods. I want you as yep. if you were dead. Thank you, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Give me my goods. I want what's owed to me, right? And the father who's loving and gracious says, okay, right? And so the, the prodigal son goes off and he spends the money in prodigal living and ends up in pig sloth. And when he ends up in pig sloth, he recognizes how good he had it in the father's estate. And that change resulted in a broken and contrite heart. And when he came back, his attitude was no longer give me the goods, but make me a servant. Amen. That's a good word, bro. That's the Lord. Amen. All right. So to kind of close this out, close out this episode, uh, if someone doesn't know Jesus yeah, and has been gracious enough to listen to this whole uh the extent the extent of this uh, episode amen what would you what would be your call what will uh present the most important news mm. the most important savior mm. the only savior to that listener yeah um first i w- i will let them know um that the god of the universe the creator of all things who created you loves you and created you to have a relationship with him. And he didn't just have lip service, but he proved it by dying in our place because we're all sinners. And sin just means breaking the law of God. God has a law, um, just like the law of man in the sense of there's consequences if broken. And God has initiated a rescue plan. And that rescue plan is through the gospel. And gospel means good news. The fact that we're sinners is the bad news. And he's come to give us good news uh, for our souls, right? And so I would tell him, like, the Bible says that um, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? And therefore, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as they did in the day of rebellion. And so Jesus is speaking to you very clearly, and he wants you to know that there is the way out and it's through him and so jesus said this in john 5 24 he says that he who hears my words and believes on uh he who sent me has everlasting life and will not come into judgment but is passed from death to life and so jesus says repent um that means turn change your mind and come to him and he says all who come to me i will no wise cast out So he loves you. He died for you on the cross. He wants you to know him, and he does not want you to spend eternity separated from him. Call upon the name of the Lord today. Amen. And that is the historical, accurate Jesus that is revealed in the Bible. It is him and only him that we seek to present to you today, to delight in him before dismissing him, to know him before knocking him. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Don't Knock It podcast. My brother Joshua, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. I know you're a busy man, but thank you for coming on and and, uh, helping us address this 
this hard saying. So here at the Don't Knock It podcast, we we encourage you to delight in Christ before dismissing him, to know him before knocking him. If you want to know more about the podcast, you can find us on Instagram. And if you haven't already, please like, share, and subscribe to the podcast or leave a review or a question you'd like for us to unpack on a future episode. Thank you all for listening. I'm your host, Chris Ramirez. Grace and peace, family. <laughs>